On this episode of Whosology, Matt and Justin break down the Dallas Mavericks national anthem controversy, and they also give their picks on the 2021 NBA All-Star Game Reserves. And now, Hoopsology. Welcome to another episode of Hoopsology. I am Justin Goodrum, along with Matt Thomas. What's up, man? Hey, what's up, Justin? I'm going to throw out an oldie but a goodie. Happy VD. Oh, (laughs) jeez. Sorry. Sorry to throw that old one out there. No, but... Seriously, happy Valentine's Day to all you listeners and to you, Justin, in not a weird way. <laughs> For sure. Um, I don't know. Our buddy sent us a Valentine's Day um, card uh, with what's his name? Uh, the Joker on there. Uh, Nikolai Jokic. So it's very uh, classy Valentine's Day. I don't know where he got it from, too. I was that 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 was a top five thing that made um, my day today. So. <laughs> trying to find it let's see the Jokic valentine's day was it roses are red i think yeah roses are red violets are blue nikolai is going to put up double doubles all over you (laughs) pretty sweet factual (laughs) (laughs) so on today's show um we're going to discuss our um 2021 nba all-star game reserves matt has his nba trends and we're gonna dive into this Unexpected controversy kind of came out of nowhere with the Dallas Mavericks um, not playing the national anthem. So we'll talk about that. Um, but first, at, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you have your NBA trends for this week. Yeah, let's get right into it. In the East, not too many trends this week. Uh, the only, And the only trends that we have, so just a, a refresher, trends are anytime a team is winning or losing, three games or more in a row. We want to keep you guys up to date on the big momentous shifts that are happening in the standings in the league. So this week in the East, we only have some downward trends. The Hawks have lost their last three and the Cavs have lost their last six. Pretty painful for the Cavs who, you know, kind of a Cinderella story to start the year in the playoff hunt. They've now with that losing streak have dropped down to 13th place in the East. It's hard to imagine them climbing up into the playoff hunt at this point in time. We'll see what happens. Uh, Also of note in the East and involves the West as well, we had the Nets come into visits, marquee matchup against the Warriors on Saturday the 13th, and the Nets handled the Warriors 134 to 117. Um, James Harden, I mean, Kyrie has, has said as much that James Harden is the point guard of this team. Kyrie Irving is the shooting guard. He dished out, I believe, 16 assists in that game to help lead the Nets to victory against the Warriors. Um, and another thing I, I thought interesting as, as I was kind of checking back on the standings of the East, the Celtics are in fifth at 13 and 13, so right at 500 with that win percentage. Any team fifth and lower in the East is at 500 or lower in terms of their win percentage. So echoing many Eastern Conference standings that we've seen in the past and many trends that we've seen in the past. So it doesn't look like that narrative that we had at the start of the season of the East is starting to match the West in terms of competitive balance. doesn't seem like that is uh, holding through. It's not holding true uh, about a third of the way through the year. So let's move out to the West. We have the Jazz have been on a seven-game win streak, so they have kept winning since we – Spoke to you guys last week and reviewed that. The Lakers have done the same. They are all also on a seven-game win streak. Phoenix has won their last five. The Mavs, who we talked about struggling last time you and I spoke, Justin, they have won their last four. So they've made our trending list. They've started to bounce back in spite of the controversy this week. Really had nothing to do with on-the-court play, though. And Portland has won their last three. So there's our positive trends in the West. And... Pains me to say it, but our first team we have to mention on downward trending teams in the West, my Houston Rockets, they have lost their last five games. They just plain and simple are playing ugly basketball without Christian Wood on the floor there. Uh, The T-Wolves, the Timberwolves have lost their last four. Quick plug, Justin did a great interview with Dane Moore. It's on our YouTube or podcast feed if you want to check out what's going on with the T-Wolves this year. Why have they been struggling so much? How are they dealing with this? What are their expectations this year? Go check that out. Last trending team, downward trending team in the West. Not a surprise, but OKC has lost their last three games. And guys, this is as of our 
recording on Sunday night. Um, so those are our trends for this week. Any Anything else that you saw trending this week, Justin? Um, I just want to make a note of the Knicks and um, Tom Thibodeau. I mean, we know oh, the yeah. guy's track record. And, you know, they're 13 and 15, the one, two in a row. Um, there's just no secret that he's, he's a successful coach. And the way the Knicks have been going and trying to rebuild with younger talent, um, there's they're going to be a team to kind of watch and see what they do. Um, I, I think they're going to run into the same problem the Bulls did when they were ascending. Like, they're not terrible enough to get top picks, and they're not good enough to get free agents, and they're going to fall in the middle. And I think there was one season in which – you know they they landed Derrick Rose and it, you know they got Joe Kim Noah. I think that was due to them being bad. I think the previous year or something like that. I, I don't quote me on that, um, but I think with the Knicks they're they're going to be in an interesting spot because if they're on an upward trajectory, I mean guys do want to play in Madison Square Garden. So I think that's going to be something to see and watch. Um, but you're right with the East. I mean. In terms of records, they're not lighting the world on fire. I and mean, look at the Bucks. I mean, they're sixteen and ten. I mean, they're supposed to be a powerhouse. Um, and look at even Brooklyn. I mean, granted, they've had a lot of turmoil in terms of all their players. And what I mean by turmoil is just like roster instability. Um, but their record's not really lining it up either. So I think honestly, you have a lot of teams that are kind of in the middle of the pack. I think we've seen the teams like the Cavaliers, which you're right, Matt. You're you know. We're talking about them getting off to a hot start. Now they've fallen back down to earth. So um, nothing too much to really notice. Like just really except the Utah Jazz, and I think that plays into later with our All Star reserves and why. Um, you, at least with me, um, you'll see two Jazz on that um, reserve squad, and the mm. record is reflective of that as well. Um, so Justin, man, yeah, um, sure. Let, before we move on, yeah, I, I touched on this uh, on my own last week in the episode, like really, really quickly when it was still a rumor and not confirmed. Sure. I wanted your thoughts since since you're a Bulls fan. You know, you mentioned the Bulls and Derrick Rose. The Knicks just acquired Derrick Rose this past week. Correct. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, is is that an impact move? Is that a classic bonehead Nick move to kind of no offense to Derrick Rose, but to kind of get an aged big name um, or is this something that you see as like beneficial to kind of make that playoff push if you're the Knicks? Oh, that's a good question. Cause um, you have guys that you're developing on that team. Like you, you mentioned, are... it is a young roster, but we know Thibodeau kind of has his guys that he loves he and Derek Rose, maybe the top among them, uh, you know, hard to say, but um I, I don't know. I, for me, I'm I'm concerned that this sets the Knicks back when we look down the road, like two or three years from now. Yeah. But maybe Tom Thibodeau is is concerned about this year and and the present moment. Well, guess who's on this team as well on the Knicks? Tosh Tosh Gibson. Gibson. Yeah, <laughs> so, I love it. I love Tosh Gibson. <laughs> so it's like you're you know you're. I mean. If you look at the Bulls, I mean, they have a he had there's a track record of bringing on kind of older veterans somewhat that people thought were trash, and they had a second life with Chicago and they're able to get big contracts by moving on. So I think with the Derrick Rose situation, I don't think it's a negative. However, if they sign him, if he performs better than expectations, and then the next season. You know, they signed to a max, a huge contract, and, you know, that's going to be a problem. So I think it just depends on, I think, this offseason and then the the preceding season and how, you know, his contract's going to work as opposed to necessarily the minutes he's going to play. Um, but I think mostly it's a positive. At least there's a history between the two. He plays hard. Um, I don't think it's a negative. However... You know, if you're going to make him the center of the franchise, uh, that's going to be an issue because, again, you like you said, Matt, you're going back to the Amari Stoudemire, Stefan Marbury, um, just that trend that you're trying to avoid all along. I think, I believe his name is, I might have his first name wrong, Manuel, I believe it is, quickly is his yeah. last name. He's a developing point guard on the Knicks, and, mm -hmm. and he is the point guard of the future for the Knicks at, at the moment, at least. And that's, that's my big concern there is, is this move going to stunt his development? Uh, and, and is Derek Rose going to be dependable as we go further into the season? 
um, you know, we'll see. I It makes my heart happy as an NBA fan that we have consistent Derrick Rose because you remember last time Derrick Rose was with the Knicks, he had that period of time where he was gone from the team. He was like MIA for like a week. Do you remember this this story where yeah, I do. like he just he just went yeah MIA for like he a did. week and didn't tell the team where he was. It was mm-hmm. a disaster. Like his personal life was a mess. And then also uh, yep. those injury concerns. So it it makes me happy to see like even Pistons Derek Rose to where we're getting consistent good play from him. But I, I just wonder also like would this have been a cooler thing to see Derrick Rose go to the Clippers? Like sure. friend of the show, Casey Kiernan, AM Hoops, check him out. Um, you know, he he was kind of hoping that Derrick Rose would go to the Clippers instead and kind of get to chase a ring. Um, you know, may, maybe it's um it's something where he wanted to help out his his coach. Sure. The guy who kind of gave him the start in Tom Thibodeau. Anyway, I I just wanted your thoughts on that because, you know, that that was such a a fun Bulls team to watch. I mean, a team that both you and I liked, even though um, I was (laughs) rooting for LeBron on those Heat teams. Still a very fun rivalry and a a great Chicago Bulls team. Before we move on, I I just, I don't know, this might be super harsh. And if I'm wrong, so be it. But I, at least in the NBA, you kind of know when somebody's a really good player and just seeing, I just, when you're talking about developing players, I think there's a ceiling there, right? Yeah. I don't know with the NBA. I just feel like it's different compared to like, I don't know, fighting or even quarterback development of football. Mm-hmm. Like I just feel like you kind of, you, you are what you are when you get into the NBA. Like you have like for instance, Zion, there's a skill set for him to improve, to be an all-star, maybe a superstar. But I, I can't really. But he think. popped. He popped sure. like day one. Yeah. Understood. I, I guess what I'm saying is that I'm trying to think of players that had like no potential mm. and became like an like a superstar player. Mm. Like I can't. I, I think maybe Steph Curry comes to mind. But even then, people. I mean, Steph Curry had tons of hype at Davidson, and people were worried about his injuries, and he exceeded expectations. But I just can't think of somebody who was like a steal and really on a flew under the radar and this became like a perennial all-star. Um, usually somebody that's at a all-star or above level, they have some kind of hype behind them. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess the point of me saying this is somebody like Emmanuel quickly, who I'll confess, haven't seen a lick of his play this season. Neither I, have just, I. <laughs> I just, I just wonder like, Am I necessarily what is his development, right? Like if the Knicks can actually get another point guard that is further on in development, they're gonna oh, bounce, sure. bounce this guy um fairly quickly. And I've seen there's tons of hype on him just doing like just some research on him. Like they seem pretty high, the media does too. So by no means I'm saying that he's gonna be just, you know, an irrelevant player on his team. But I think at the same time, it's just weird you hear about just players in general in terms of hopes that they would just develop, especially top picks that don't pan out. It usually it doesn't. Like you, you know what's up the first season. You know what's going to happen. Um, and it's hard to really change that, per se. Yeah, so, in most cases, I would agree. I mean, I would say like way back when Tracy McGrady was a Raptor out of high school. Good point. But there, there was like issues of playing time. Yeah. Uh, I think was more the case than actually like something like he didn't pop. Uh, yeah. Draymond Green would be maybe a, a closer to modern day example of someone who had at least a lot of doubt on him in the sure. draft. But again, that was kind of like a fringe thing, like weight issues, questions yeah. of work ethic. Once he got in there, and you saw him, I mean, it wasn't too long until we were like, oh, this guy is like a floor general, especially yeah. on the defensive end, but really on both ends. I mean, this guy has his stuff together. So, yeah, yeah you're right. It, it it doesn't and it shouldn't take long for players to pop in the NBA. Yeah. Um, let's move on and let's talk about this national anthem controversy. I don't think we have to go by blow by blow what happened by this, but in a nutshell, basically – the Mavericks um, weren't playing the national anthem at any of their 13 preseason games and any of the regular games as of, I think, last Wednesday. Um, I guess the NBA got word of this 
And basically, they stated that <clears throat> last Wednesday, I don't have the date, I apologize, but um, basically, the, the Dallas Mavericks would play the national anthem during that game and the games preceding that. So And wonder, all NBA teams. Yeah, all right? NBA teams yep. as well, 1,000%. Thank you. League policy. Yep. Um, I want to read this statement from Mark Cuban, and then we'll, we'll get into it. Um, he said, quote, we respect and always have respected the passion people have for the anthem and our country. I've always stood for the anthem with a hand over my heart, no matter where I hear it played. But we also hear the voices of those who do not feel the anthem res- represents them. We also we, we feel they also need to be respected and heard because they have not been heard. The hope is that those who feel passionate about the anthem being played will be just as passionate in listening to those who have not feel it represents them. Um, okay, so this is just a weird story. We, we talked about this off here. He was on with Rachel Nichols. I was kind of confused by the entire situation, to be completely honest in terms of the timeline. And Matt, you can correct me. It seems like he kind of he cleared this with Adam Silver. And then all of a sudden, the NBA is like, no, you cannot play the national anthem. And there's been a history where there is a policy with the NBA specifically about playing the anthem at all the games, but it's not necessarily enforced. So I guess I'll, I'll allow you to go first, Matt. How do you feel about this in terms of from, I guess, two different notes? One, A, just the Dallas Mavericks not playing the national anthem. I find it fascinating that it hasn't gotten – too much notice until somebody noticed on Twitter and journalists and journalists picked it up, and then it was on national news. Um, mm-hmm. And then two, how does the league proceed um, following this in terms of keeping this stance? Yeah, th- this is a confusing situation, and I think what happened was that this. And, and again, if you've heard differently, correct me if I'm wrong. Sure. Um, when they were they were starting to allow i believe they allowed healthcare workers into a special into a game like one of the first games where they're allowing people to watch okay and i believe that's what kind of helped steamroll this hmm. uh, of course journalists you know pushing this as as journalists push stories um so yeah so it, it gets out into public and of course um you know everything like we've talked about before on this show gets inflammatory gets um very very pushed to the top there's there's gaslighting going on everywhere um and and it's unfortunate to see i for myself personally i don't think it should be controversial to play the national anthem at a a sporting event but the this is a place where we are where i know going into saying that that a lot of people disagree with that statement um you know i i do think you're calling yourselves the national basketball association um so i guess i'm getting to the second part of your question first sure for me personally i do want the national anthem to continue to play at sporting events um i i think that is an opportunity when we talk about coming together as a nation uh and yes i know some people protest during that but i still would like to have it played um that is something that uh has potential to be unifying and again i know people feel differently about that um but i think it's important to keep having the conversation i i'd rather have that than getting rid of it altogether um so i i'm happy the league put out that statement but i i think there is some criticism deserved to Adam Silver for being very reactive. And, uh, you know, as, as you mentioned, and, and I understand the story the way that you do, where it seems like Mark Cuban had approval for this. And then when it became public, all of a sudden you have like this, this switch, like this wasn't known by the league office to me. um, It shows poor leadership from Adam Silver Uh, and, and, He's had a lot of criticism this year. Maybe some of that deserved, maybe some of it not. I tend to want to show grace when it comes to stuff like the pandemic that we've talked about. These are unprecedented times, um, at least for our generation and uh, for the past two generations minimum, stuff that we're not really used to. So, you know, but when it comes to things like communication, which is this situation, case in point, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little less forgiving of that. Um, so I don't know, I guess to keep things 
somewhat brief. That's kind of how I, I feel about this. I will end by saying that, you know, with conversations that have been had in the NBA and around the league, it would not shock me if in three to four years, maybe a little a little more years, maybe a little less. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if, if we have some teams not playing the national anthem, you know, and, and that's just, just a prediction on my part. I have, I have nothing to base that off of other than what we've seen being talked about over, over the past two years, really. Um, Justin, your thoughts, please. Um, so on the Adam Silver thing, I agree with you. You gotta be consistent, pick a lane, either, have all the teams play the national anthem or don't play it at all. Maybe play God Bless America. But then you have we run into another issue. Is it about the anthem itself? Or is it just about playing a song period that represents the United States before a sporting event? So because I've heard it both ways in terms of the anthem, which does has you know historically racist lyrics to it, which is true, which is proven. At the same time, are we gonna go down this lane where well, God bless America, which I I I, have to, I get the sense is a clean song. Are we gonna like micro dissect that as well? We just go down this lane. So I think from a league standpoint, I 100 percent agree with you. I think Adam Silver and the league screwed this up. I this should have been handled in the very beginning. We shouldn't even be talking about this fairly honestly. Either play the anthem with all teams, and it's and this should have been negotiated with the players' association when the players boycotted or. You know, go go the other way. You just have to really have a standards where I think by having certain teams do stuff and other teams not, it makes it fairly confusing. Um, I think another thing too, as another angle to this, as the league expands, I mean, we have an international team with Toronto. So with them, what about their national anthem, right? Like, are we going to play their national anthem, not the United States national anthem? You just run into all kinds of different issues there. I believe um, they play it in Toronto. They do. Sorry, sorry yes. to cut you off. Yeah. No, you're right. I guess my point is, is that if they stop, if you stop playing the national anthem in America and play the Tor the Canadian national anthem, not Toronto national anthem, but the Canadian national anthem, I mean, that just seems weird, right? Just imagine going to a Raptors game and hearing, um, oh, Canada, and, you know, especially during a, a road game and not hearing the American national anthem. Just, it, it just has to be consistent all the way. Um, I think as for the topic of playing the national anthem, I understand both sides of it. You know, my brother, you know, this Matt, my brother's in the military. He's in the United States Navy. I feel a connection to the anthem, but I also understand the right to protest during it. Um, I also get the tweet from Stan Van Gundy. I'm paraphrasing here. He says, do we have a national anthem for, you know, movie, you know, going to a movie or other things makes sense. I mean, it just seems, you know, fairly inconsistent in terms of like a broadcast. We watch sporting events all the time. We don't see the national anthem and no one's offended by it. So it's only for the NBA finals or the Super Bowl. So it just seems it seems very like double standards and just all these weird rules and it's just super strange to me. If the national anthem went away, I think it would be take, it would take a lot to get used to, but I don't know. I, I, I kind of a little bit indifferent to it. If that might seem like a cop out, I apologize, but just through everything, I understand it. But I think from a league standpoint, I think Adam Silver screwed this up. I think this was a mistake on his part. And I think maybe if there is an all-star game or an all-star break, you know, he needs to get, you know, Chris Paul and a lot of the owners in, in a room and just discuss what are we doing about this moving forward so it doesn't become a huge, you know, stink going on. Because fans are going to come back. Fans are already coming back to these arenas. You got to pick, pick one way or another so you can address this accordingly. Because if you're inconsistent, this is, this is from a league PR standpoint. This is going to be a complete disaster <laughs> because you're just going to have different teams doing different stuff. You're going to have owners. It's going to turn into a very politicized issue instead of just a league taking a stand either way. So I think for Adam Silver, he he needs to decide what the league is going to do from this standpoint. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, and I I, I agree with the comments about um, Adam Silver. You know, it's it's clear that. You know, we're we're at a time when people are questioning everything. Um, I mean, you you mentioned your thoughts on the national anthem, and 
um, you know, my, my feeling on the lyrics are, are quite different, but, um, but, you know, I, I would be, uh, you know, definitely wanting to, to know that perspective. Um, and that's, that's something we'll talk about off air, sure. um, you know, to not <laughs> drag out the conversation no. here, but I, I think, um, you know, growing up with the national anthem before sporting events, my, my feel of this was, this is something where, you know, we sing the national anthem and the audience, whether you're home team or visiting team fans, you know, and we're talking all levels of sports, high school, college, whatever the case may be, you're all looking around, you're all clapping for the national anthem. In a way, it kind of goes in line with sportsmanship, like shaking hands after the games, in, in my opinion. It, it gives us, you know, something we're all cheering for, we're all realizing that, hey, we're on the same team, but things are different right now. Um, and, and it's something that, that I think is unfortunate. I I've said before plenty of times, I'm, I'm all for the right to protest and everything, but, uh, we definitely are not unified in terms of how we all as Americans feel about this country. And, and that's something that continues to be a, a much larger conversation than what's going on in the NBA itself. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely agree with um, what you mentioned about Adam Silver and, and his handling of things in the league. Yeah, I feel you. I think I totally get what you're saying from a patriotism standpoint. I mean, look at 9-11, right? That the anthem was a powerful unifier in that. Um, I remember that specifically watching everything from pro wrestling to, I mean, I, I don't know if you remember, the WWE was, I think, the first entertainment event or First, I guess, I don't know how you would say this, uh, gathering of a large amount of people on television um, right after the terrorist attack, and they played the national anthem. It's a very unifying thing, um, especially during our nation at that time being so vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I think now it's a situation in which we are taking stock of a lot of things in this country that have disenfranchised minorities for a long period of time. And the the problem I have with, I guess, the whole thing about cancel culture or just bringing up these situations is that I think it's only towards the African-American community where I think we should be conscious of every single community of color and of sexual orientation as well and taking stock of what what their sensitivities are. And also too, like if there's something that's blatantly obvious, that's like ridiculous. Yeah. I think it has a right to be called out. I mean, I, I mean, again, I might, I'm changing this, the subjects, but I think it's kind of relevant in terms of this discussion, in terms of what you said, Matt, of things being looked at more closely. I mean, I mean, now it, I, I would say the last year or so, I've been watching The Bachelor with my girlfriend, and I don't know if you heard about Chris Harrison, the host. He got he was forced to, to step aside due to his comments regarding a controversy regarding a contestant who um, liked some racist post on Instagram. So hmm. it's a conversation that I think people just need to be aware of. Like these are fairly obvious, I, I think, obvious things. But at the same time, we need to have like sensitivity of others who don't have the knowledge of that information too, and and I think with what we what's been rising with council culture, I think it's one of those things like with Drew Brees, and I can't remember if we talked about this or not with Drew Brees in terms of uh, mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter. Um, just it seemed like he was very genuine with his apology and wanted to learn more, and I think that's the right approach is education instead of just condemning them and just killing people online for having just a different opinion when instead it's like you didn't know like it's, it's education right so i think the point of with this the situation with the national anthem i think it needs to be a league discussion on dissecting okay what is racist about this national anthem why do people feel uncomfortable because mark cuban on an interview with rachel nichols he was saying a lot of people felt uncomfortable and that the national anthem were trying to respect them but he didn't really go into the reasons why they felt the way that they do 
So I think that's the issue, right? Because on the surface level, it's like, well, it's a national anthem. What's what's wrong with it? But if you break down some of the lyrics, it is problematic. And so when you're trying to get people like with Mark Cuban to understand why the Mavericks did what they did, when you're not articulating what is problematic with the anthem itself, that's where it draws confusion. So I think moving forward from a league standpoint, they need to take a look at the anthem itself and, and again, make a call. Either say, hey, we think the lyrics are fine, it's, we, we will keep it in there, or we can play God Bless America instead of the national anthem. I just think it needs to be a unified voice either way, like I said before, making a decision. Um, I think moving I think moving forward with Adam Silver, the, the two mistakes that he made is, one, just applaud, give him Mark Cuban carte blanche to do whatever he wants. And then, two, not having a joint league policy when these issues are in the spotlight with the NBA. I mean, they've been labeled like a woke league, um, and the spotlight is on them when they're making decisions like this. And I'm disappointed in Adam Silver, quite frankly, that they kind of screwed this up. And and not even from a standpoint of them playing or not playing national anthems, making the call, deciding either way. Um, I think they bungled that. So I think, you know, moving forward in these situations, because we're going to have situations like this is not over, like Matt, like we've discussed with China, like that's still a problem. So all with all these issues, I think that the league needs to be unified in what kind of stance they're going to take instead of being divisive in terms of their ownership and Adam Silver as commissioner. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, um, you know, just to maybe make some more of a point of making these big decisions. Cause let, let's be honest, you're, if if you get rid of the national anthem as a league, let's say like like let's say they talk I, hypotheticals here, let's say you talk about it over the off season after sure. this season. You have several meetings, players, owners, the, the NBA as a league, whatever, um, the the fans, whoever. Uh, it's it's decided we feel conflicted about the anthem to the point that we're not going to play it anymore. Let's just be real. This is a huge business risk for the NBA um, to get, get rid of that. Um, So, and you know, the the NBA players have made it clear that they are in a place where um, they feel that they are doing the morally correct things and that many of them have said anyway, maybe this isn't the majority, maybe it's only the outspoken players, I, I don't know. But many of them have said, you know, kind of that this is the morally right thing to do, so we're going to do it, and I don't care if if I lose money in my contract, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that factors into this. I think that's why you get such a quick response from the league to, no, 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 this became public cease all operations on that um so yeah i I mean i think um we're in agreement as as far as like the the league conducting their business and needing to uh kind of keep things on under wraps a little bit more uh maybe um come together a little bit more on these decisions it's just so weird because you know you know matt when we were in college look at all the ufc's we watched at boston's and the only time that they played the national anthem was when they did fight for the troops. There was a special that they did. They went to air force bases, um, and military bases, and they had fights actually on the base. And they played the national anthem before. Um, but at the regular UFC, I've been to UFC. I've been to Bellator. They never play the national anthem. It's just such a weird thing with the sporting events. Some sporting events do, some sporting events don't. Like it's just such a, I don't know. I just, I just, I don't like when people play the patriotism card in terms of. Like, well, this event should do it, but not other events. Like, it is, it just comes off just very weird to me because it's, it's it's inconsistent throughout all of sports. Um, so it's just it's a strange situation. But hopefully, the league has come to a resolution on this because I just think this is an unnecessary controversy, and this, especially what we observed through the bubble, I just feel like that the league just bungled this and. Uh, did not handle this appropriately. So we'll just have to, to wait and see. Is there any other thoughts on this, Matt, before we move on? No, I, I think, um, you know, like, like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if 
um, if we do see the national anthem removed in the yeah. NBA, I think that will have some unexpected consequences for the league uh, in terms of financially. But maybe that's that's not something uh, that they care about. You know, we'll we'll see. I mean, my my stance is I I would still like to see the national anthem played, um, and I I would still like the conversation to continue rather than just we're wiping this away. Um, but you know, I, I know a lot of people feel, feel different than I do. So it's a weird we'll thing. Happens. Yeah. I, for me, again, I guess of the, the military standpoint, I totally understand. I, I you know, I, I'll, I'll admit, I do, I do get those feelings when I hear it played. I mean, it's a powerful thing before, especially with the, the community of people before an, an event goes on. I'm sure Matt, you've seen the, I don't know, was it F-16s? The planes fly to fly over during um, basketball games. I mean, that's a powerful thing also. So I don't want to seem like I'm kind of playing both sides of the, of the aisle here, but I, I understand both. I mean, I don't have a clear thing of, hey, we should not do it. I kind of I, – I disagree with you in terms of the national anthem being removed from the NBA in terms of the probability of that just because mm. – from a television standpoint, the, the league is it's just a television product. They don't show the national anthem anyway. And honestly, like with the NBA Finals, which has been my beef in general, like their presentation sucks in terms of the introductions. Like we saw in the mm. '90s, like that was a big thing. Like the national anthem, the starting lineups, like a big really uh, production out of it before the game starts. Now they don't even do that. Like they just you see it's the NBA Finals and they're out in the court. <laughs> like it's just it kind of sucks to, to see that. So. I just think the national anthem, just through from a from a media standpoint, is being diminished anyway. So it's one of those things where I think people will just have, well, let's probably sit or just get some popcorn or something before the game starts. I think you might see more of that um, in terms of just people that are more against it. They'll just be in line using the bathroom or getting a coke or getting a beer or something um, before the game starts and watch the. You'll see. I think. You know, you we've been to games at the pit where even the national anthem's going on. You're late for the game. You see people stop. Mm-hmm. I think those days might be over. And in terms of some people, just their protests will just be, "Well, I'm, I'm going to get my my cheese dog <laughs> during the national anthem," um, and, and then just proceed to their seat. And I think the leagues would just proceed playing it as they could. But we'll see. You might be right, Matt, in terms of this culture. You never know. I mean, the power of social media, it could be a thing. So we'll just have to kind of wait and see what happens. But. Yeah, I, I hope that's not the case in terms of the treatment of the national anthem. Sure. I, I would like to still think that there's a sense of national pride in this country. Um, and I, I don't mean that in any sort of political bend or anything like sure. that. Just like, hey, you and I live in America. You and I love this country. We want to see this country do well. Uh, just, just more, that's the only way I mean that. Yeah. Um, and I think that... We are weaker as a nation if we don't have that. Um, but but I think, you know, I, I think you might be right. Um, and, you know, we're, we're at a point in time right now. Maybe it's just a small phase and maybe I'm, I'm um, exaggerating this. But, uh, you know, in my opinion, I don't think national pride has been any lower in you Agreed. and my lifetimes than Agreed. it is right now. Uh, and that that makes me sad. But... Um, you know, uh, of course, people are entitled to um, feel what they want to feel, and you know, pe- people are entitled to their their thoughts and and opinions and all that. Um, and so, if that doesn't go along the way of of national pride, and if if um, you know, there there are a lot of things that have set that off. So anyway, I, I don't want to no, uh, you yeah. know drag things out anymore. But um, yeah, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Agreed. Um, let's hop into these all-star reserves. I basically, I don't, I don't think there's anything like sensational with my picks except one thing. Um, so I don't know if you want to go by conference by conference. Um, yeah. Let's, let's, let's go ahead and start with the East. Um, my reserves and full disclosure, they, they match the score.com. I didn't see any um, disparity and I just, my decision was like, compared to seasons past, we didn't have to deal with COVID. So that was kind of a factor in this decision for now. And it mm. could change before a week before the All-Star break. But uh, what I have now is Kyrie Irving, 
Jalen Brown, Jason Tamus, J- Jason Tatum, excuse me. Um, forgive me if I butchered this guy's first name. Um, Demanus Sabonis. What's how do you, how do you pronounce Sabonis' first name? Is it Demontis? They, that sounds right to me. Demontis. <laughs> I might be um, wrong too. That sounds I always better go than to my his pronunciation. Dad, Arvidas Sabonis. <laughs> right? Yeah, me too. Um, Chris Middleton, Trey Young, and Ben Simmons. And I say that's pending. And I might be willing to put Jimmy Butler on that list and take somebody off. Depending ben Simmons, on, I love it. <laughs> I even I I do appreciate what he's done for the, the 76ers. I mean, you can't deny what they've done in terms of their record and how they've been. I mean, they're on top of the conference right now. Yeah, I like no, his I love stats. It. I I had beats with him being this LeBron James second coming. I'll always say that. <laughs> However. I think he's an all-star for now. However, if the Heat continue to move up the rankings here, right now they're a knife. That's better than they were last week. If they're in the middle of the pack, by the time the all-star break happens, I am perfectly willing to take Ben Simmons off this list fairly easily. Um, or pretty much anybody else. I would say probably Kyrie stays, Brown, Tatum. Um, I'm biased. I like Trey Young. He probably stays. I'm looking at Sabonis, Middleton, and, and Simmons. Um, I, Sabonis probably stays safe, but really Middleton and Ben Simmons I'm looking at fairly closely if Butler improves the heat. He is a huge factor. I would say he is, uh, in terms of how he affects the team, he is very much like a Draymond Green. Like His stats don't have to be spectacular for him to have a massive effect on the game. And if he's active in the lineup, they're gonna be they're gonna be a huge factor. I mean, great analogy. A, yeah, they had a tough game against um, the Utah Jazz. They've been on a tear, but they gave the Jazz plenty to handle. So this that's something that I'm watching closely. Um, the West, real quickly, nothing really sensational. I have Donovan Mitchell, um, Zion, Damian Lillard, Rudy Gobert, Paul George, and Devin Booker. Um, and looking at the omissions, I can't put anybody on there. Um, Chris Paul is probably the closest person I would maybe think about putting on this list. I don't know who I would take off. Um, other than that, Colin Anthony Towns has not played enough games. John Morant, I would see him getting some love. And Brandon Ingram. I think those are the two guys who are probably going to get the most, I think, pushback for not being on this list. But at the same time, I mean, just the Jazz, unbelievable season. I mean, Booker is always awesome, always underrated. So those are my picks. Um, how about you, Matt? Um, anything that varies or what, what you got going on? So just to clarify, we get 12 total players, right, on <sighs> on an all-star roster? Because I think it's five reserves and then, like, two coaches picks, right? Um, so... While you're looking that up. Um, yeah. yeah. So my starters were KD, Harden, Giannis, uh, Jalen Brown, and Joel Embiid. Okay. Um, so I, I also put Kyrie on there. I also put Trey Young. Uh, I put in Julius Randle. Okay. I put in Bradley Beal. Sorry, Russell Westbrook, you're not getting in just because yeah, the Wizards no are terrible. You get one pick. I also had Sabonis in there. Just because you got to give the Pacers a nod, and, and his numbers are legit too 20, 12, and five. Um, and then I did have Ben Simmons in there as well. Uh, not so much for the numbers alone, which are okay 12, 8, and seven. So, I mean, almost averaging a triple double, but really, he's going to be second, in my opinion, behind Rudy Gobert for defensive player of the year. Uh, the West, I thought, was too stacked to put Rudy Gobert in there for myself and, oh, wow. and maybe he does mm. make it as a coach's pick or maybe I think he was fairly low on the fan voting as well probably some of that just has to do with being on the Utah Jazz uh, but Wes just to review my starters were Curry Dame Lillard even though I think you're right and I think Luca's going to be the starter there especially with them improving um, I, I still have Dame Lillard um, and then LeBron, Kawhi, and Jokic. Those are my starting five. I added to that Donovan Mitchell, of course, for the Jazz. I added in um, AD, Devin Booker, who is one voting place above Chris Paul in this week's 
release the second week of all-star voting. Uh, so he's in sixth place in voting. Chris Paul's in seventh. I don't have Chris Paul making the team. He probably does with the fan voting, but hey, this is my list. Um, let's see. Did I mention AD? Probably. Uh, Paul George, John Morant, we're in agreement. I have to say Luca since I didn't have him on the starters. And then my last person slipping in, if we get 12, is De'Aaron Fox. I actually had him basically taking Chris Paul's place in a very close one. And that's simply because the Kings are competitive. Well, his numbers are better than Chris Paul's for one thing. Um, 23, six and six, I believe. Uh, and then the Kings are also in 10th place. So they are set to make the play in tournament right now. If, if trends continue and, and it seems like they will be at least 10th maybe even be able to climb that list a little bit. Um, so that's kind of my list in the West. There are a lot of ways you could go with that. I mean, I, I could easily see someone being bumped to get Rudy Gobert in there. Sure. I'm with you. I, I like to get, you know, at least the top three seeds. I, I kind of like to try and push for two all-stars from those teams. I mean, we know that that didn't always happen like with the San Antonio Spurs historically. So maybe the Jazz are just looking like that. But, um, you know, interestingly enough, like the story around the Jazz is that they are hitting a record number of three-pointers per game this season, which was something I did not expect going in. I mean, we're talking like outpacing the 2016 Warriors and and stuff like that. I mean, they're hitting like 17 and a half three-pointers per game. Those teams Mm. back then, like the – the video game Spurs back in 2014 that came back to beat the heat the year after they lost, they were hitting like just over 10 three pointers a game. So, Mm. so if you want to compare like the difference in, in how those teams are playing, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see in the playoffs, if that can continue for the jazz, but for now they are just fire from outside. I think that's kind of a bad thing though. Um, I just, because, yeah, it is. Cause that was even somewhat of a concern with the Golden State Warriors, and you're dealing with two of the greatest shooters I think who ever lived with Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. So mm-hmm. now with the Jazz, who are not necessarily known to be in this great three-point team, I mean, when it comes to the playoffs and when defense is so critical, that that's a concern. So we'll have to wait and see there. Um, to answer your question, this is based off last year. If somebody in the comments wants to correct us, be more than happy to there was basically 11 spots on each team so team lebron team Ah. Giannis had 11 spots and there was a total of um 22 players um that was in the um, pool there so that was basically that um in terms of the voting i wanted to mention a couple of things the second fan returns and this was um february 11th um, you know what's interesting, Matt, in the Eastern Conference, I'm not going to go over all the, the vote-getters. Um, Derek Rose was voted number eighth on the list. Yeah. yeah. And I think Clay Thompson's voted eighth as well. He hasn't played this season. I just think it's ridiculous that you can even vote for him. He hasn't played. How can he be eligible if he's injured? That makes no sense. Um, yeah, case for maybe less weight on the fan vote. <laughs> or for the NBA, not have him eligible to be picked. Yeah. Take yep. him off the list. Yep. He's not eligible. He's that's hurt. even better. I yeah, like that even I, I better. Yeah. That's just bizarre to me. Um, so just reading out the top fan returns, uh, like the top two here. Front court, LeBron James, um, Joker. And then you have the um, guards, Steph Curry, Luka. Um, East, Kevin Durant, Giannis. And then guards, Bradley Beal and Kyrie Irving, which is fairly interesting because you look – at Bradley Beal, I don't get the sense he's like a super popular player. And yeah, he's number one in fan voting, which tells you, I think, that the fans are taking notice of his play, even though the Wizards are trash. So I think that's fairly fascinating that, um, you know, Charles Barkley always talks about guys, you know, the fans don't know anything about basketball. And Bradley Beal's having a great season. He's being rewarded by the fans. So I think that's a positive um, thing to see there. Um, anything else you wanted to, to, to point out about this all-star reserves or um, any players that are standing out to you? Or you might see any surprises. I noticed Alice Caruso's number 10 on the fan voting. Um, <laughs> 214,997 votes. Um, anything that's kind of stood out to you about this voting or the players not wanting to play or anything that's catching your eye? 
Oh, gosh. Well, yeah, I, I talked about that in depth last week about the players' comments and stuff sure. like that. So yeah. I'll probably back off of that. Sure. Um, it's, it is it um, is strange to me just because I, I think uh, the NBA doesn't want their prime assets in their all-star players. They don't want anything bad happening to their players. Sure. Uh, and for like all, if all those players came to the all-star game and all got sick, let's say playing this game, you know, which, which would be very unlikely anyway, because of the testing before, yeah, after, absolutely. et cetera. If that happened, that would be a disaster. And that would be a huge financial loss again for the NBA. So even if we want to go, cynical and talk about the money side of things i mean there, there's just no angle i know people talk about it's it's a money grab to hold the exhibition game yes that's true um it's also something fun for the fans it's fun for the morale of the league you and i've talked about that um but kind of my point from last week was that there there's no reason at all the nba isn't going to be as strict as possible when it comes to the all-star game. Um, so I, I understand, you know, again, players are very expressive. They're, they're allowed to express that they feel the way they want to feel it. It makes me as a fan, like not look forward to the all-star game as much to hear all the, all the players, like, too. especially LeBron, Kawhi, Giannis, yeah. big names, even De'Aaron Fox said just outright, it's plain stupid. Um, and he might be making his first ever all-star game. You're not excited about that? Like a little bit at least kind of, kind of just heart, hurts my heart as a fan, but look, I, I get it. A lot of people are really scared about this and want to avoid any chance of spreading the virus. So yes, I, I see that side of the argument, but um, you know, in, in my opinion, it, it's just kind of taken the wind out of the sails of the NBA all-star game, which is unfortunate. Yeah. I feel you. I don't understand, again, going back to the national anthem standpoint, why wasn't this more negotiated before the season started? Like, there should have been standards in place. Hey, if the COVID cases are high, we're not having this all-star game. If the COVID, if the COVID cases are lower, then, you know, we, we can have it under safe practices. So to me, just to play this game of, well, maybe we'll have it, maybe we won't. It just, again, just causes a lot of confusion. Um, what's interesting is that, you know, Chris Paul had the idea um, and they're negotiating, you know, the all-star game would benefit HBCUs and COVID-19 relief um, for it. I even heard him he was still doing like a slam dunk competition at halftime. Yeah. Jeez. I, mean, I mean, if they, players don't want to play the game, they got to do a dunk contest at halftime. I mean, three-point contest as well. Yeah. And I believe a skills challenge. Wow. I um, So... Yeah. And you and I had talked about, you know, just have the game. And because there's no mega audience in the stadium, the other things are going to be a little awkward. I, I still feel the same way about that. Um, but, you know, I, I hope someone among the players can kind of spin it positive and be genuinely excited to be there. Uh, I get, but the All-Star weekend itself is such a spectacle. Mm -hmm. I get it why they're disappointed. And especially, it's different when you're playing the NBA Finals. That's a spectacle, too. But you're playing for the championship. You can motivate mm -hmm. yourself for playing for a title. But for right. an exhibition game, that means nothing. The Why you're there, let's face it, it's the parties. It's the ambiance. It's all the celebrities are there. All the fans are there. All the events are there. You have, like, you're making money off your sponsors. It's a huge weekend. It's just in sports in general. And so mm -hmm. when you have that stripped away, that's a play in a game that means nothing. I get why the players don't want to play. I mean, I totally get why you want to go to Atlanta for what? I mean, you have to quarantine. You can't do anything compared to other all-star weekends. And it was a great weekend. And even honestly, players didn't even want to do that. They'd rather go on vacation to Barbados or something. So hmm. I, I understand their hesitancy on doing this game, but it's kind of their appearance, I think, is a little bit irrelevant just because they should have had a stronger stance on this before the season started. I don't, again, I don't understand why all of a sudden they're outraged by this. COVID wasn't going to go away by this standpoint. So if they had a bigger beef with this, they should have put up a bigger fight before the season started. Um, so I don't really have too much sympathy for them. I get their hesitation. I totally understand why they don't. And to me, I'm not necessarily looking forward to seeing the game, in all honesty, just because, like you said, Matt, the odds of them playing hard are next to nil, even for a charity. 
and you know that includes the slam dunk and the three point competition. I'm not really. I think the three point is something easy. Like he's get some shots, and I, I can't remember the last time somebody got hurt from a three point comp test. So <laughs> right. I'm not super or skills. Like you can kind of like fluff it up with that. But honestly, I rather even do like forget the game. Just I rather even do maybe just do like a big skills competition, like something like that. I mean, it's so weird because even look at the Pro Bowl with the NFL. They didn't have a Pro Bowl. They played it on online. They played it on Madden, and they had <laughs> celebrities like come in and they take part and participate. And, and playing in the game. So I maybe just do it on 2K or something. Like, I don't know. I just think it's such a weird time to do the All-Star game. I have, like, I have no interest if the players aren't motivated. And honestly, from a recognition standpoint, from what I've heard, the players care more about All-NBA anyway um, in terms of, you know, being named to the All-NBA team, first team, second teams, et cetera, and all There's the financial incentive with There's that. financial yeah. incentive. If, yeah. yeah. So... In terms of the All-Star game, if you're asking me, should there be a game, am I looking forward to it? I'm not. I'd rather not see it. And if players aren't down to go, I'd rather just skip it this year. Just do 2K. Just, I don't know. Do something creative. Maybe put the put some street ballers on there. Just, <laughs> I put Professor. I don't know. Just do something different um, than actually having a traditional All-Star game. But... I don't think that's going to happen. I think the players are going to be forced to go down there. I think like De'Aaron Fox said, they're fine for not going to the game. They have to play, from my knowledge. So, I mean, whether he likes it or not, I, he's going to have to play in the game. So, I just think the game's going to suck. Um, it would be easy work for us <laughs> um, in terms of recapping it. But Yeah. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that's, that's the feeling uh, among the players uh, about the All-Star game is is just – like this, this really sucks. I mean, it, it'd just be cool to hear like, kind of like, well, yes, I, I don't want to play this game. Uh, just to be fully honest, it's an exhibition game. It's not going to affect my team standing in the playoffs, but I get that the fans at home are really going to be enjoying this. So I'm going to go all out. Like it, it'd be cool to hear that. And, and I believe Zach Levine had some statement similar to that, like a kind of along those lines. And well, he wants to make it kind of like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) true. Um, so, um, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, you know, I get what you're saying. More negative news. Yeah. Um, It sucks. I get what you're saying. Yeah. But, but I agree. I mean, it's kind of like cats out of the bag. And I think look to zoom in away from my feelings about this, from like looking at the league perspective on this, I think you look better as a league too, as a business, if LeBron, you're talking behind the scenes with your buddy, Chris Paul, who's the head of the players association and Adam silver, who I know you have on speed dial and will pick up no matter what time of day it is. It's true. You know, guys, I'm going to put you both. We're going to have a three-way call and let's talk this out. I mean, I I'm really unhappy about this and if we have this game, then I'm going to say these things in the media and maybe that happened. And I don't know about it because, yeah. you know, I'm a sports podcaster, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think that's the smarter way to handle your business at, at the end of the day, because you know, for uh, two guys who get really excited for the all-star game, like you and I under normal circumstances, you know, to, to me anyway, it is just, it just makes the whole thing a bummer. Cause now, yeah. even though it is going to happen, I'm just kind of, disinterested because i i know what's going on uh i i've seen how the sausage is made so to speak yeah agreed well yeah we'll hope for better days ahead regarding this (laughs) um yeah exactly um anything else you wanted to add matt before we uh, say goodbye this week man i don't think so um gonna be you know some more packed weeks leading up to this all-star game and then we'll have a little bit of an all-star break for those, obviously, that are not playing in the game. So this is um, this is a pretty pretty fun time of year, really. Um, so yeah. you know, and then it's going to be, I think, even a a faster feeling push to those playoffs, uh, just I with agree. how. I mean, it's a fast season anyway, uh, but this season is always accelerated. So. There's going to be no shortage of things to talk about again next week. For sure. 
Um, you can always get in touch with the show. We're available on Twitter um, and on Facebook as well and on Instagram. Um, check out our YouTube page. Matt does an awesome job um, updating that content. Um, that has um, video interviews um, and as well as um, in audio form on our, all your podcasting um, apps. Um, we had a, a great chat you did specifically with Paul Nepper. That was an Thank awesome you, chat. Um, we would talk to Dane Moore, like you mentioned earlier. Talk to Vince Miracle of Hoosball.com. Um, Adam Taylor. Um, Zion Olajede from Complex Sports. Um, talk to Casey Kiernan from AM Hoops. Um, we have interviews from journalists from The Athletic. We have Chris Manning that's still up. Um, again, Bleacher Report, ESPN, our um, sneaker series as well. So go check that out in our archives. Plenty of interviews. They are evergreen, so they're not based on just what's happening in the NBA. They have a lot of great um, facts, including, especially the journalists, a lot of great insight as to how covering the NBA has affected them in this time of COVID. They have really some fascinating perspectives on that. So um, please go check that out in our archives. So for uh, Matt Thomas, I am Justin Goodrum. I hope everybody had a great Valentine's Day, and we'll see you next time. Peace.